This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 1988's Ice, directed by Jeff Quitney. But first our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Life update, <laughs> Liam is our uh, third honorary guest host today. He's a very loud baby, um, so if you hear him in the background, I'll try and do any kind of post magic I can, but you know, this is the realities of being a mom, is that um, it's not nap time, and we're recording, so here we are. Yeah, the realities are B's mom, and I'm her best friend, and <laughs> this is what happens when we put off our podcast too long. Um, so I started off my new year with as much horror as I could, like all the horror that's already been in theaters, which is great. Um, if you guys are big horror fans, you know that January is considered what they call like a dump-off month, which is not really true, but like that's what they call it, where they like they put titles that they don't think are going to do very well because it's typically slower in theaters so it gives them more time to possibly succeed um so i have already seen both of the horror theatrical releases from 2020 uh which are the grudge by nicholas pesky or pesky i never know how to say his last name and then also um underwater um starring kristen stewart and that was by i believe his name is uh yeah william eubank um the Grudge is what they call, I looked it up, it's called a sidequel because it's not a sequel or a prequel, but takes place at the same time as the original Grudge movie from 2006, 2004, I don't know, one of those years, and um, takes place in America. <laughs> Liam's being fussy, y'all. Uh, takes place in America, it follows a very similar format to the other Grudge movies where... Um, we're following like different sets of families as they are stricken with the the curse, which is Juwan the Grudge Curse. Um, the cast is incredible. I mean, it's got John um, John Cho, it's got uh, Betty Gilpin, uh, Lynn Shay, um, Andrea Riseborough. It's got a really like killer cast. Uh, it's pretty 
Like, it's a, it, it, it feels like a movie from 2004, which is fine, because that's when the movie takes place. It's 04, 05, 06, and it feels exactly like those kind of, like, predictable yet still fun jump scare movies you know i think we've definitely got to a point where people are like bored of jump scares but we have to remember there was a point where like that was still kind of new to horror um and like this is kind of a throwback to that and i i actually came away from it not like it wasn't in love with the movie at all but i was like i liked it more than the other one starring sarah michelle geller like i i truly did because like i don't like that movie at all yeah my history with the I haven't seen the original, original one. Oh, the um, Japanese one? The Japanese one. Yeah. And The Grudge came out in a time where I was, like, old enough to be getting into horror. Like, what year did the original? Like, it's either 04 or 06. I yeah, so, I mean, I was, like, probably 12. Like, in that. So, just in the age range that, like, I was able to watch these, like, PG-13 horror movies that were coming out and getting into them. And I started it with my mom, and we literally got, like, I think 30, 45 minutes into it. And, like, both of us were, like, super bored and not into it. And we, I've never gone back to it. Yeah, 04 is when I was. Yeah, so, so I was 12. Yeah. I was, like, prime age for that movie, for yeah. sure. And I just, and I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. So, yeah, we love her. You share a birthday with her. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I love Don Cho, so I want to see this one. Yeah, I think it's just like a fun turn off your brain, like popcorn. Like, it's a good, like, late night, you know, rainy night, kind of just like almost a little too predictable horror movie. But, like, I still just had some genuine fun with it, so I didn't mind that that much. Um, and then uh, the other one I saw, yeah, Underwater with Kristen Stewart, which if you've been paying attention to, like, any news outlets, they unfortunately tanked had a very very high budget it was like 80 million i found out there was some like production stuff that it actually was given it was approved such a high budget like bef- it's been like part of the reason why tj miller is in it too i think is because like this was before like one of the newer alien movies and so like they were thinking it was going to do really well because they thought alien was going to do really well and then once alien tanked they kind of put it off and they so they put it in you know quote unquote dump off month um and so, yeah, it's... That's rough um, for her, too. This is, like, two big movies of her headlining that yeah, she's... Flopped. And we'll see. It still has time. It still has, like, other markets, so you never know. Yeah, I think it's going to be... I mean, what do you think? Liam obviously thinks that Kristen Stewart is um, a great actress and that she's very underrated still and that I mean, the Twilight I, Glean is still I did watch the Twilight movies when I was pregnant so yeah um so horror fans love it like if you've been paying yeah, attention yeah I've seen one I just looked it up this morning because you had mentioned last night and I was asleep so I like looked it up and the reviewer was like <laughs> so I looked it up uh, and the reviewer was like, hey, this movie's doing really bad. If you care what I think, I thought it was really good, so go check it out. Yeah. No, all the horror reviews have been great. It just did not do well. I mean, I, I've i reached out to, you know, some of the, uh, <laughs> as as horror fans so colloquially call them, the normies, like, the, like uh, online, and like, I, and, like, just friends that I know who aren't into horror, and a lot of them were like, what is that? I've never even heard of that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, so... Not a great marketing push or anything, but um, I it's basically Alien Underwater, but even, like, there's a lot more to it than that. It's 
it's, it comes out of the gate running like it's two minutes into that movie when the action hits and like starts like things really start moving um the creatures were really cool there's more than just one like and there's different designs for different creatures and um it, it i mean like i'm really into aquatic horror anyways so like it was a hundred percent my jam um like i was the key demographic for that movie uh but i think that anyone who enjoys like horror in general should check it out if you're into aquatic horror for sure uh and it's also just like a really tight like 95 minutes and it's like yeah tense and suspenseful with action yeah so like it's it has a lot kristen stewart's phenomenal in it um, really good actress yeah she's so good i her and robert pattinson like how far removed do we need to be from twilight before people like stop i think finally robert pattinson is getting away from it with like the lighthouse and stuff but like now he's gonna have Batman on him, so we'll see what happens. Um, but go see Underwater if you can, because it needs your help at the box office, because it is um, floundering, unfortunately. But those were the two big ones for me. And now, I mean, I'm gonna. My goal is to see all of the horror release in the first two months in theaters. So I think we still got The Turning, Antlers. What's that one with Mackenzie Davis? That's The Turning. The yeah. Turning. I keep forgetting. I see a lot of trailers. Yeah. It's being pushed on YouTube yeah. a ton. Because it's, it's based off The Turning of the Screw. So it's called The Turning. And then, yeah, Antlers and um, The Boy 2 is coming out finally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but oof. We got a trailer before Underwater, and I will tell you, I was not in love with that trailer. I mean, I'll see it. Uh-huh. But I that, liked the first one. I liked it. Brahms, right? Yeah, Brahms. Yeah, but that trailer for the second one, I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to hold off judgment. But yeah, I agree with you, sir. That's, yeah, it was questionable. Yeah, I haven't seen that is not being put. So I see we watch it. We. I watch a lot of YouTube via proxy because that is my husband's jam. And it's always fascinating for me to see yeah it's always fascinating for me to see what films they're pushing and i have not seen like for um what is that movie the alligator one oh crawl crawl oh my god non-stop trailers on youtube and a lot of trailers for the grudge and a lot of trailers yeah. for the turning right yeah. that's what you said it was yeah but underwater no i only know that's out because of genre people talking about it yeah i didn't see uh, underwater was it's weird i didn't see a lot of crawl either but i didn't i I don't have like youtube i see occasionally the ones they push on instagram that's it really yeah and i've seen the turning on there like they're definitely pushing yeah i've probably seen on instagram too um we spent so my husband's been on like his late paternity leave I had my son, like, right in his busy season because he works in, like, the pool industry. Um, And so he took his paternity leave basically the last couple weeks of December. And then here in January, today was his first day back at work. So just so much family time, which has been really nice. Just a lot of, like, just me and my husband and Liam. And we've done everything from play 80 plus hours of pokemon like we got pokemon sword on new year's eve and then beat it um which was really it's not a two-player game but we played it that way and it was super fun um we love the nintendo switch like it was a father's day present for ben but i probably play it just as much as him if not more 
Um, and it was really nice to have a game that we could um, play together. I highly recommend the, especially if you liked Pokemon, like being able to play it in that environment. Mm-hmm. So different than on previous like Game Boy or DS installments. It was just so good and so fun and definitely worth they're expensive games, right? 60 bucks. And yeah. sometimes we get things and I'm like, God, that was not worth the ticket price. And this one, I felt like the amount of hours we got out of it was very, and that's just a story mode. Yeah. Um, we still haven't all yeah, done all of the things you can do. Um, so that was really good. Um, we haven't really been watching very many movies, just doing other things together, watching a lot of just like vloggers on YouTube and, um, we've been chipping away Netflix in uh, the first put up What's New Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Um, so we've been watching both of those. Um, I'm like a lifelong Scooby-Doo fan, so mm-hmm. I power through it pretty much and all the time. Which one has the overarching story? That's Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, that's a two-season yeah. yeah, story arc. So that's one that we put on like... When we can pay attention, mm-hmm. and then we've been putting on like what's new in the background, which is really fun too. That's that's a like mid to late aughts one. I think it started in like two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, and it's basically just normal Scooby Doo like episodes, but it's still really fun. And um, and then we watched Toy Story four finally. Um, what do you think? I liked it. Not enough buzz. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because it is Woody's story. It's Woody's story, and I. I, But the storytelling is so good. Like it's just. I loved Key and Peele's characters, though. Yeah, they were great. And then how creepy were those dolls? Super creepy. Like horror aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially when they sit there and their jaws just all open and nothing comes out. Yeah, I mean it was good. It was really sweet. Always telling a story that's really valuable and. Yeah, so I liked it a lot. It was nice to have Bo back. She wasn't in Toy Story 3, and I like how they explained why she mm-hmm. wasn't in Toy Story 3. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fun. I think Forky's a super fun character, and like I'm excited for like Liam to have a Toy Story. Like The first one came out the year I was born, or close to it. 94. Yeah, so like I was two years old, so I'm excited that there's a Toy Story like for him. Yeah. Um, and for him to grow up with those characters in the store and everything, so. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, I like, when I saw it, too, I was like, three was, like, the perfect ending. Like, I think three wrapped everything up, and, you know, as a pun, I'm like, and this one just puts a bow on it. <laughs> puts a bow on it. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the deal. We wanted to cover Midnight Kiss, which is a new slasher movie on Hulu, part of the Into the Dark anthology, um, and it's a New Year's one. You guys know we love our themed and seasonal movies. But it is a uh, queer horror slasher movie, and we really wanted someone with a queer perspective to come on the show. And we could not find anyone, unfortunately, with a queer perspective. Um, We have lots of friends um, that we reach out to that were, unfortunately, all kind of busy. Uh, You know, it's the beginning of the year, and, like, people, a lot of people were sick or getting back from vacation or covering up or, like, still wrapping up from 2019. So we totally understand. Um, so we did not get to cover the movie that we wanted to cover. Um, but, uh, we would like to get around to it someday and we probably will still. It's obviously a slasher, um, that we are going to look at. So instead what B did is she decided, well, we're still in winter, so we're going to cover a movie that is still like winter themed. 
And so she looked up a list of like winter or ice snow movies, um, and she found a little movie <laughs> called uh, Iced from 1988, um, which is uh, I'd never heard of until B showed it to me, and uh, probably most of you haven't either. And Iced is a... It's funny because she sent it to me, and I was like, oh, this looks almost exactly like one of the movies that my brother gave us to cover, which we will eventually call Shredder, which is also a ski-themed slasher movie, uh, but not this ski-themed slasher movie. Um, So yeah, we are covering Iced from 1988. You can find the entire thing on YouTube. It's pretty much the only place that you can find it. Um, The alternative title was Blizzard of Blood. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad they stuck with ice. At least. Well, I guess that was just one of the titles in Germany, which for whatever reason, most of the information about this film is like the release date I have is from Germany. And this alternative title, which I don't get, it's an American film. It's filmed in Utah. Um, so I find that curious. It's always funny when I do the research for the movies that are like really indie like this and like don't have a lot of info because it takes me like usually almost definitely over an hour to like compile all this information where if it's a really well-known movie you can pretty much get it done in like 15 minutes but it's always fascinating because then I kind of have to go down these rabbit holes because the release date I have is February of 1989 in West Germany yet Anytime you look up this movie, it says 1988. Yeah. So, so I released. like have to assume it was released in the United States at some point in 88, probably in the winter, but that date's not available anywhere. Nope. So I have no idea. I know. I wonder if we could find like a VHS. Like, yeah. Like and so that's the only way this exists. Yeah. Yeah. So it's never gotten a DVD release. It's never gotten a Blu-ray release and some kind soul uploaded it on YouTube. So that is how um, we watched it and how anybody will have to watch it unless they have one of these uh, yeah, or later, like one of these guys, Vinegar Syndrome or Synapse or something's going to pick it up for sure. Um, or even, what's the one? Brennan has a label. I think they're called Slasher and they just pick up Slasher movies. That's why I watched Blood Lake. Um, I'm glad it's not called Blizzard of Blood though because there's no Blizzard in it. So that would have driven me fucking crazy because I hate when you have misleading titles like that. Um, yeah, B mentioned release date and the budget. Um, the synopsis, a group of childhood friends are invited to an opening of a posh ski resort, unaware that an old nemesis has murderous plans in mind for them. So I love when we have, like, low-budget movies, and I think I talked about this, um, for Santa Slay as well, Mm because I thought they did, like, a lot of clever things, but that had a much bigger budget than this film oh yeah and it's still like in in that whole scenario but the things that they do to like get away with it it's like they keep making comments like oh it's this posh ski resort but we never see the ski resort we just see this cabin because they're like oh we i just thought the real estate agents like telling them i just thought you would like this cabin this rustic instead of our high-tech yeah he's like like, this rustic chalet instead of the high-tech ski lodges yeah and so, because obviously there's no way they would have been able to have that on Well, yeah, and they, in the film. they have access to, like, one hill yeah, and one ski lift because they use that a couple times to show that they're at least at a ski resort. But, like, this hill, I mean, th- they could have built this hill in their backyard. They obviously have a real hill because they do go skiing at some point, but, like, probably honestly filmed 
somewhere without any authorization because oh and i doubt it was actually at a ski resort it was probably yeah, just no, on just, some property yeah absolutely so no it's it's pretty funny like the things they do to get clever with their budget um the reception is non-existent because no one knows about this movie um we're lucky to have found a list with it on there and of course like now that we know it exists on Letterboxd, we have some friends that have seen it. Um, uh, Ian is one of my writers over at Ghastly Grinning, and he has seen everything. So, of course, he's seen it. And then Elric, one of the hosts from Shockwaves, has it on his want-to-watch list. And those are the two literally, like, most eclectic, wide-ranged, cinematic goers I know. So, like, I'm like, yeah, even, like, they, they would be the only two that would have heard of this. Um, Brennan will get to it eventually as we've stated before he covers um, every 80s slasher movie but he does them in chronological order and this is pretty late into the 80s so he's not there yet Uh, this poster is so video store straight to video horror like Mm -hmm. oh my god yeah so there is like one of the VHS covers has one of the characters like all iced over and it's like a white cover and it kind of makes it look more like a thriller um this one is much more to my liking if we're going to talk about bad posters so we have like our killer on skis with like some freaking smoke behind him mm-hmm. it looks like he's on the streets of new york and like, yeah a ninja turtles movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that's what it looks like and then there's literal like ice crystals that yeah. he's in not snow he's like in some ice crystals and then you can see his eyes in the like goggles that he wears in the movie and i thought it was funny too and i'm not a skier so maybe this is a thing but in looking at our killer his goggles are like all orange there's right. nothing broken but all of our pov shots it's like jagged well he breaks them when he falls on the rocks oh is that what it's supposed yeah. to be so he breaks yeah. yeah but you he- can't see that they're broken from the outside from our perspective they look normal Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Well, they shows them broken once when he dies. It shows that they break. But then I think, yeah, I think the rest of the time it's just normal. But then our POV shots, so, like, just an editing error or something. Well, like there are some very interesting editing choices yeah. made in this movie. So Tons of editing done. Yeah, so, I mean, I have to assume it's just something like that. Well, and then also how would... We're, are we assuming that our killer then takes these goggles from right. Jeff? Yeah, you know? that's, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. But it does always show it jagged from Yeah, from his POV, yeah. which the whole time I was like, oh, now I well, forgot. in this cover, it shows them like broken. Mm-hmm. So hmm. didn't even think of that. Interesting. Um, you know, we're just here to point out the discrepancies in a low-budget 1988 slasher movie. <laughs> Uh, there's so many taglines, and I kind of love them all. Uh, um, this first one is the first he chills champ. them, then he kills them. Amazing, so love good. Hot blooded couples fall prey to a cold blooded maniac. Also great, amazing. Sounds like a lifetime thriller. A downhill vacation becomes a nightmare of terror. Get off the hill before you get iced. Oh, and ice is capitalized. Uh-huh. That's even better. Uh huh. And then- that that was for sure. Like if this movie had a an ad, like that's what the the guy was like reading like mm-hmm. before you get and then like it would come up and he'd be like iced yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure those are great it. and they're i love so the good. i love the hot-blooded couple one too because there's a fuck ton of sex in this like not like a fuck ton but like there's a lot of sex and it's pretty like near graphic oh it's, it's like very softcore but, for sure yeah it's like everything, everything but, but the p and v yeah um and, yeah 
lots of lots of booty lots of boobs lots of full-blown naked bodies on top of each other rolling around like and, pelvic area yeah, yeah and gyrating which is oh, like yeah. that's the big thing that happens in these films it's like if it's the specific movements like i forget what movie it was but for some reason i was watching like a behind the scenes and they're like Oh, you just have to be careful about the movements. Like they can be fucking naked on top of each other, and you can still get a PG thirteen rating. But if they move in a certain way, right, like they thrust, yeah, yeah, then it's immediately an R. Or they can be fully like clothed on top, no breast showing or whatever. Like, don't exact quote me on that. But basically, for sex scenes, the ratings care more about movement. what's movement and what's happening than the actual nudity itself interesting it's like we all know what the fuck they're doing that's true I, I i guess i think about it though and like there are movies where like the nudity exists in a standpoint of like its neutrality like so i guess like since it's not sexualized nudity so making those movements i don't understand the ratings board whatever um no sequels but it sure as hell set up for one sure yeah for, sure did yeah the, it was this is hardcore part of that 80s gotcha like last stinger uh moment yeah, we had like a uh, bl- like Valentine eye bleeding moment. Yeah, or like straight Friday knockoff. Yeah, almost. yeah. Um, Jeff Quitney is the director. He also directed Beyond the Door three and Lightning in a Bottle, which are both very low budget thriller horror movies, also from the eighties. Um, yeah, Joseph Allen Johnson. This is his only writing credit, but he plays Alex in this film. Um, and then he's also an actor. He has like, I don't know, like 10 credits or so. He's an actor in Slumber Party Massacre, which is one of my favorite horror movies in general. Um, and then Berserker as well. Uh, the score was done by Dan Milner, um, who did like a lot of TV shows, Down to Earth in 85, Airwolf in 87, and American Gladiators in 93. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And the score was... I mean, it, it was adequate. It was fine. It was just repetitive. very repetitive, yeah. um, which I feel like he produced like a couple tracks and then found ways to like use them over and over. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Like there's like one that's used for the sex scenes and one that's used for like the creepy scenes and the one that's used for the actual like when the killer's around scenes pretty much. Um, edited by Carl Oblath. He has 34 credits that are Carol. All- Oh, Carol, sorry. Um, she has 34 credits that are all low-budget movies. And there's some weird editing stuff in here. Like, there's so... some weird dream sequences. And there's a lot of, like, weird back and forth. Like, like you flash forward to a sex scene that happens that you end up seeing anyways in, like, 10 minutes. I love all of the, like... I've They do it in um, curtains, too. But I love when this I film cuts. Me of curtains. Yeah, it definitely yeah. had some curtain vibes for yeah. sure. Um, probably like the winter setting helped yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but I love when they're like trying to make comparisons, which happens a lot in horror movies. But it's like, oh, here they're skiing, and there's this really tense like moment happening because he's like really upset, and then we're gonna cut to like this sex scene and like them like gyrating against each other and oh, yeah, this they is did that a lot. they did that a lot and like the sex is what's fueling his anger so and like cutting back, back and forth, forth between yeah. the two Not like three times with uh-huh. sex scenes. yeah like, in particularly with sex scenes yeah and then and they did like the clever you know quote-unquote like the icicle kill for example mm-hmm. he goes to hit her with the icicle and then instead of seeing the 
the actual the kill, actual kill we cut to an ice pick ice, yeah which i thought was smart yeah i thought was smart it's a good it's a good editing choice to make up for the fact that you don't either have the skills or the budget or the knowledge or whatever to show the graphic yeah. kill uh mike clint was our special effects makeup artist and um it's his only credit which is actually pretty impressive because for being as low budget as it is it has some decent effects mm-hmm. um like we like we just said like we don't see a lot of the kill scenes um but the ones we see a lot of the after effects um and we do see one of the kill scenes and like the effects for all of them are pretty like they're nothing to like you know lose your mind over but they're they're better than a lot of stuff i've even seen from like the 90s and 2000s as far as like actual effects go yeah it's funny like i started the movie i sent it to ryan i'm like how about this and he's like well okay sure and then i started it and i was like fuck why did i suggest this like i regret this decision and then like i was pleasantly surprised like as we got into it i feel like the opening's probably like weakest right and it's because like they're supposed to be like these rambunctious teenage kids that are just like like the opening sets up like um which is a trope that didn't exist for us growing up because we didn't grow up in the 80s but and like i still don't really understand it but i guess there were like a slew of ski movies in the 80s like it was really popular Mm. to do um skiing was big then yeah and so it was like a really popular thing to do in the 80s was like these ski movies and so i think this movie kind of plays on those i like the opening feels like one of those teen like ski movies because they're like competing for a girl and they're like downhill racing and like they're all there to party it's pretty like it's pretty silly but um yeah it gets like once once it gets moving and like character builds and stuff it, it gets pretty interesting it it ends up being a lot better than you would expect for like something you can only find on youtube uh the cast is pretty big because we are focused on like one central group of characters so we spend a lot of time with most of them um deborah deliso is trina um she was actually kim in slumber party massacre uh, so being i hypothesize at least that that's probably how she got brought on because she was with um joseph allen johnson in slumber party massacre and then he wrote this movie she was also in the 89 version of dr caligari trickster from 2018 she's like a pretty genre staple actress um, yeah, Doug Stevenson as Corey. I mean, a couple cre- most of these people have like 15 or so credits, so they definitely worked, whether it was all in the 80s or like trickled here and there. Um, so he has a few credits. His big thing is that he plays young Kingsley in um, a slasher film called The Prowler. Yeah, I like that movie. Which is I'm much more well-known than this film. Yeah, way more. Um, this I found interesting. Um, Carl... Played by Ron Kologi is still acting. He has 16 credits. Most of his credits are, like, more recent. Um, he was in Hallmark's A Cheerful, A Cheerful Christmas last year. And then Lifetime's Random Acts of Christmas. Um, which, I don't know if I've talked about it on here. Maybe. But, you know, everybody gives, like, a bad rep to these Lifetime movies and these Hallmark Christmas movies. And they pump out, like, 25 of them. so many of them every single year. Now Netflix is doing it, so we have Hallmark, Lifetime, and Netflix all producing these, like, low-budget family Christmas movies. Um, And 
Hillary Burton, who is of oh, One yeah. Tree Hill fame, has been in a couple of them, and she actually recently just directed one. And she made a comment that I just really liked and thought was worthy of sharing on her Instagram. It was that uh, these are movies that allow me to bring my kids to set. They're super open to like the work-life balance and your family and working with people you love. And it's just like your ideal set to be on. And the reason why she's now choosing to do films like that as opposed to something with a little bit more of cloud or whatever. Um, And I think that's amazing. Um, And even though those movies mostly aren't for me, obviously they're for somebody. And they make a lot of people happy. And so I think this sort of trend of looking down on actors like they're like making these movies, why? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, don't do that. Who's that other one that now is in a bunch of other The chick from Mean Girls. Yeah, Lacey Chabert. Yeah. And then also the chick from, um, the sister from Pretty Little Liars is in a bunch of them. Yes. Um, what's her name, sister? Uh, Tori, Tony DeVito. Yes. Yeah. yeah she's in a bunch. Tori DeVito. Yeah. Um, yeah. Elizabeth, oh, it's just interesting too that it's Carl that's in all those because he's like the skeevy weirdo in this movie. Um, Elizabeth Gorsi is Diane. She was Wendy Joan Footloose. Tina and Teen Wolf stopped acting in 89, which is interesting because, like, out of all these, she probably had, like, one of the best, like, actual mm-hmm. film tenures. Um, pretty, some pretty noticeable movies, but yeah. yeah, not her thing, I guess. Uh, and John C. Cook is John, who was in a bunch of 80 stuff too. Baby Boom, First Thug, um, and Three Fugitives. So, yeah, um, just like kind of, a lot of these guys are, like, 80s actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Joseph Allen Johnson, who we talked about, he is the writer of this film. Um, he plays Alex. And then he's also Neil in Summer Party Massacre. Um, Dan Smith, who plays Jeff, um, are like original, the guy who fuels this movie, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, this is his only credit. Oh, um, and then same with Michael Picardi as Eddie. Um, and then this is like a fun little thing. Um Jeanette, played by Lisa Loring, is Wednesday Adams in the original Adams Family, the TV show. Interesting. Is this the girl who gets naked a bunch? Jeanette? Yeah, she's the one in the jacuzzi, right? Um, yeah, I can't. I no, that's I think Diane. Jeanette oh, is, is Diane. Yeah. the one who's trying to get with Alex. High school. Who yeah, who's mad at Eddie the whole time because got she it. thinks Eddie's blowing her off and he cheats on her, but really he got murdered. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, got it. Okay. Sharon Bingham as Suzanne. Uh, Mark Turner as a bartender. Both like solo credits. And then Rodney Montague as Biff. Um, who was Biff? Must have been one of the characters in the beginning. Yeah. But he went on to have a very famous, uh, um, become a very famous visual effects artist. He's worked on Hellboy, Fate of the Furious, and Glorious Bastards. He has over 50 credits in Hollywood as a, as a artist, which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah. So that, like we said, pretty big cast, but not anyone super big. Um, a lot of like 80s kind of staples here. Um, yeah, it is a teen slash adult stream. It does one of those, you know, classic slasher tropes where we have something in the past and we fast forward to the future. Um, it's just in this one, we happen to go from when they're like late teens to like early 20s. Um, and then, yeah, it's an isolated slasher film that mostly takes place in one cabin almost the entire time. Um, and then, you know, like 
it's a seasonal slasher because it's definitely like a winter and they do have some like winter themed and skiing themed kills correct for all you skiers out there yeah i know who skis anymore like truly if you ski let us know i'd be interested to know i know a lot of people have transitioned over to snowboarding because i hear it's just generally easier i think skiing's easier i thought snowboarding was no skiing's easier so people snowboard and then like it's scary and then they are like, no, I'm going back to skis. I think snowboarding is just trendier. Like, it looks cooler. Like, skiing was, like, the big thing, and it made you, like, really posh and whatever. And then snowboarding was, like... So it's, like, uh, rollerblading and skateboarding? Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. Like, one's actually probably easier than the other, but it's not as cool. Yeah. Quote, cool. Yeah, rollerblading's okay. a lot easier than skateboarding. Are there any rollerblading slasher movies? Oh. Like, I mean, I know there's already a movie called Shredder that's about skiing, but I think there should be a Shredder too that's about rollerblading. I think that would be fair. Or then Thrashing about skateboarding or something. I don't know, something like that. Missed a chance there. Brink, the sequel. And it's a slash. That's movie. what I was going to say. We need yeah. like a soul Brink. Skaters. <laughs> soul skaters. Skate for our souls. <laughs> um, our killer is Alex, and he has the most <laughs> fucking. That has backwards so like, funny. motive. So this whole movie starts off with like the beginning is Jeff dies, and Jeff dies because he like he's trying to impress this girl that he came out there with. He like said he used to ski in the Alps, and which so, is Trina. Yeah, and yeah. he's challenged to a race by Corey, and they get in a race, and Corey wins and like embarrasses him, and Trina goes off with Corey, and so Jeff gets all pissed and like somehow kind of, he like lies about skiing the Alps. Yeah, right? he, like, or like well, he says like that's the whole thing too. He's like I was in an institution, and like but like I was there. It was in the Alps, and, like. Like, he basically was like, I was there. I just didn't, like, ski. Right. And so, and, like, there's this whole monologue where you see him talking to one of his friends in the bar. And then fucking, so Jeff gets all pissed and goes up to prove to himself that he can do it and crashes and dies. And then after Jeff dies, which we find out much later, is our killer, Alex, was friends with Jeff. And they had been friends forever. And he went looking for Jeff after he went to climb this mountain and he found his body, and on the way down, he tripped and fell and broke his leg, and it had to get amputated because he was out in the cold for so long and no one could find him. And his dad wrote him off as his son because his leg, because he was an amputee. And, and it, it ruined his skiing career. And it ruined his skiing career. And so... All we, because of Trina. All because of Trina. So yeah, we spend the whole movie, like, it very much wants you to think that it is still Jeff somehow. Yeah, that he is alive, and that then, he didn't really die. Yeah, and then it does a couple little things with, like, maybe Carl's it, because Carl's obviously having, like, weird, like, mental breaks and snaps and, like, not quite a firm grasp on reality. Um, but no, it is this guy. It reminds me so ridiculously much of <laughs> the newest James Bond movie, Spectre, where Christoph Waltz is the villain in it. And he's like, why did you do this? And you find out that Christoph Waltz, when James Bond's parents died, Christoph Waltz's dad, who was their ski instructor, adopted James and showed him more favor than Christoph Waltz's character. So he grew to resent James Bond, which is the entire reason he wants to kill him. And like, it reminded me so much of that, where it's like, yeah, there's just like, this random guy who has this really weird motive and it happens to be involved with skiing and i mean so basically this is a james bond movie yeah essentially 
So, you know, start including, I guess, um, Deborah DeLiso on your list of James Bonds. Um, no, it's just hilarious. And it's so... When I love how they explain it, too, here's another funny editing thing they do. So in the very beginning, he's sitting, Jeff's sitting at a table, and you're led to believe he's talking to himself. Yeah. That he's super angry. But then... Well, also when we that ha- something's wrong with him mentally. Yeah. Because that's what it wants you to think, yeah. But then... When Alex is doing his whole, like, super villain, this is what's happening, we realized that he was sitting across from Jeff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the editing choice was the way they cut it, you couldn't see Jeff. Because yeah. if you would have seen Jeff, then you would have known the whole time he was the killer. Um, I thought that was funny. No, it's super funny, and it's very, like, it's it's interesting because B and I were talking about it, and, like, the way we examine these is, like, how close they say to the slasher formula. And this movie is very close. Like it, it For being from 88? Yeah. And it's like hardcore to the slasher formula. But it's also like this movie is for sure one of those movies that like the stereotypes, like when you see very exaggerated stereotypes from 80 slasher movies, like is this. Like tons of gratuitous sex and nudity. Um, a super outlandish, weird backstory for your killer. So like it, this leans hard. And so even though it follows a lot of the blueprint, it also like exaggerates a lot of it it like follows it but to almost to a fault um well yeah we literally have a scene where a, one of our women is like touching herself yeah in a hot tub in the movie and she's like massaging her breasts for no reason oh yeah like she's not warming herself up she just got done having sex if anything she should be trying to cool herself off well and like even when she gets electrocuted like like you see her vagina. Yeah, like, like she like, floats to the top, and you can see like full everything, yeah. and it's like, all right. Yeah, it's very, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, no iconic weapon. Um, like we said, like there are some ski themed kills, like the pole. What is a ski pole called? Is it called a ski pole? Sure. I'm gonna look it up. Um, but like, there's a an icicle kill, which is always nice to see. That's what I expect. Who dies from the ski pole? What? The guy from in in the car. He stabs him from behind. That's oh, at the ski pole. Oh, yeah. I missed that. I like kill. that. I look up ski pole kill, and the first thing that pops up is iced ski pole death YouTube. So, um, I think, yeah, it's literally just called a ski pole. Interesting. I would have never known. So, that yeah. must have been John who died via in the car. Yeah, there's got to be a name for this. Okay. Because I'm just, I know that that can't be what it's called. Like, there's got to... No, it's really just called a ski pole or sticks. That's that's it. That's all they're called. Okay. Good to know. That's your skiing lesson for the day. Yeah. That's You're welcome. my skiing lesson for the rest of my life because I plan on never skiing probably. I don't know. I'll we, snowboard. Also, we live really close to Tahoe. And Reno. Um, and Reno. Is that a big... They have it out there. There's one on the way out to Reno. Oh. Yeah. Like yeah, there's a bunch of places to yeah. go skiing, like, within two hours of us. And we never go. No. My husband used to... That's the thing that's so funny. So, Ben used to snowboard all the time when we were in high school and drive up to places like Tahoe when we lived, like, five hours away from Tahoe. We moved to Sacramento five years ago. There's been a snowboard in my storage unit or garage or wherever we've lived, and... We have yet to be to the snow. It's expensive. It is expensive. So, and that's why. Yeah. We have to buy all the shit. We would have to buy all the clothes for it. You can rent everything, which is nice, but it's still expensive. Yeah. Um, I know. We should. I mean, we've never taken advantage of it. 
No. I think we could still go. Like, now is prime season. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. We, should, we should try to do that. Yeah, I have a friend who's actually getting married in Tahoe, mm-hmm. and um, they're getting married in the summer. And I'm like, man, I really, like, need to take more advantage. I'm like, you guys go to Tahoe a lot. And she's like, oh, it's one of our favorite places. But she did make me feel better because they're transplants. They're originally from New York. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, we get more motivated to see things. Like, you grew up with this. So, like, California is one of those amazing places where you have the snow and the desert and the ocean and the mountains and city and rural. Like, anything you could possibly experience, we have. You know, we have the redwoods and all these beautiful things that don't exist anywhere else. And we just have always had them mm-hmm. right next to us yeah so i think we can get lazy about like oh man no, no like i should we're like tahoe eh, it's an hour yeah the drive's mm. kind of curvy yeah oh <laughs> so, man maybe i'll just sit in the house and you know play pokemon yeah so no i get that anyhow um so we start in i don't think it gives us an exact year um but it's we start and it's like like we said it's a group of kids they're up skiing and this whole thing happens where Corey and Jeff are fighting over a girl. And, like, basically she says, like, whoever skis down this hill the fastest, like, she'll, like, be more interested in them. And Corey ends up winning. And then the whole accident happens with Jeff. And then we flash forward four years. And in our flash forward, well, like, we jump forward four years. And um, we learn that Corey and Trina are now married. Like, a bunch of them, the couples are all still together. Or, like, they're kind of awning and off again. Or, or they got together. Yeah, or they got together. And so it's four years later, and they're headed back up to um, a different... This is a different ski lodge. It's called, like, oh, Snow Peak. Because, like, they keep going, like, sneak a peak at Snow Peak. Like, that's what the letter says. So they got a letter that... And it's funny that he says this because it's exactly how telemarketers get your number now. But like they're like, how did we? How did they even get our name? And he goes, oh well, you know, when Ski Lodge went out of business, like someone bought up all of the things so uh-huh. they could send out. I'm like, oh, that's exactly how any like telemarketer gets your number now too. Yeah. Um, this chair. Okay. Liam. Side note. Yeah, Liam has a chair. His what is this called? It's called a high chair. People. It's high chair, but like the one that he like you know with the big tray, so he eats on it. Yeah, that's um, a high chair. Yeah, his high chair. But the legs stick out really far. Me and Ben trip on this fucking thing, so be never done. Never. I've never tripped over it, and I'm, sitting I'm fucking down. blind. I'm sitting down, and I just ran into it. so frustrating. Um, oh, the child's asleep. That's why it's quiet. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. why he was yelling, because he was like, put me to bed, mother. Yeah, like, I'm tired. Um, so it's interesting. So Jeff dies, and then we get, like, we're introduced. Okay, none of the characters really fucking matter, because one, quality is so low. Two, like... It's the 80s, so everyone has, like, permed hair and kind of looks the same. And it's really hard to keep track of because they also have, like, really generic white people names. So, like, I could not fucking... John, Diane. Alex. Corey. Like, I was like, I don't know who the fuck is who. Also, what famous couple is that? John and Diane? Isn't that, like, Cheers or something? Um, That's Sam and Diane. But John and Diane is... Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking. Jack and Diane. Jack and Diane. That's John. That's that John Cooper Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what I kept thinking of. It uh, kept sounding like something yeah. very iconic. Um, but so anyways, all these white people are going back up to the ski lodge. Damn white people. And um, and like there's this whole kind of mystery aura about it because like 
they get this letter and it's very yeah. like elusive and it's like inviting and it's free like the whole thing's free because they want to test it out it's like a timeshare thing mm-hmm. so they want to sell you the condo if you go and stay in it they then like you then agree to basically hear a pitch and be tried to sell they do this all the time my sister is actually about to go to Cabo and do the exact same thing yeah um so what's funny is like they, they all get up there one of the guys who is dating one of the girls where he's like on again off again his name's edgar and they're fighting so they don't know if he's gonna go or not he's like coming up later yeah and so he's the first one we see get killed because he is like driving and he gets distracted and he runs into like a snow mound and then in the this is the one that like if you only watch up to this point in the movie you're going oh this is like bad because mm-hmm. it's cheesy as fuck mm-hmm. so it gets run over by a snowplow and this shit's moving hella slow and they don't show it they then just show a the shit ton of blood ground. yeah and you're like all but, right like they show the snowplow though and it's like like and he's literally standing there like no it's like that scene in austin powers where he's afraid of like getting run over by that thing and they keep showing how slow it's going yeah that's what it reminded me of but he like trips is why it eventually runs over him sure whatever um but after that, the movie actually, like, is not terrible. Like, the acting's pretty decent in it. Yeah, surprisingly, like, good acting. Um, and even though I can't tell you really what they talked about or any of the development for the next 40 minutes before they, they we have another kill. Minutes, it's yeah. 40 minutes in between kills. I just looked. Um, it's fine. And it's, like, you know, kind of enjoyable. And it, it, it's only because you kind of you are led to play with this sort of mystery where it's like, all right, is Jeff back? Is it the real estate agent? Who is the real estate agent? Right. Um, what's Carl's deal? Yeah. What's weird. Carl's deal? And like at some point you think, yeah. So you're you're entertained enough, like you're hooked in enough to be like, all right, where is this going? Yeah, because like it plays enough with like fun slasher tropes like – John finds a note in his dresser from right. like um, from when uh, Jeff died, and he thinks it's Carl because Carl like has a perverse sense of humor, and so he like thinks it's Carl, and he doesn't tell the girls. And then we also keep getting like POV shots of the killer watching him from outside, so we know that someone is out there. Um, he's definitely wearing like Jeff's ski outfit, so you know for a while you were wondering, is it Jeff? Like, is it going to be a supernatural killer? Did he not actually die? Um, and they do spend a lot of time just like building again character building in quotations because like you're finding out about the relationships but it's all a bunch of like high school drama basically yeah very soapy super soapy yeah Yeah. carl and like okay here's the thing carl is like don't know what the fuck's wrong with carl one he has a rat tail which is an interesting choice um i'm not going to talk shit on it because i don't know out there who has a rat tail and you do you but you know not for me um two he's doing hella blow all the time he's literally but like butt naked we see his little booty in the bathroom doing blow and i'm like why why is this scene necessary the best is when the full-length mirror in his room when he turns it sideways and drops like a fucking like foot long like thing of blow and like i'm like holy shit carl like you're a fucking maniac and like he's hiding a gun in his cowboy boo and he doesn't just have blow like he open like he has this little baggie and it's like full of shit and like he makes a joke about prescription medication he does make a joke about it and then like you realize like oh like you know he's for real like using um but like it's never really explained why he's like just super paranoid that he brought a gun for some reason 
And I mean, they've got to try. It's probably something Jeff-related, right? Well, I guess. And he also, like, he's, like, very, like, no one likes him. Like, at dinner, anytime he talks, like, they're like, remember there's the scene they're talking about the drive-in movie theater that they went to? That was one of the things I noticed was, like, they kind of poke at the movie because they say, we're making out the whole movie. It was one of those movies where you only pay attention when someone dies or there's tit or boobs on screen. And I was like, yeah. oh, they're poking at themselves, which is interesting. Um, but he's like, oh, was it in the snow? And she's like, it was summer, you idiot. And I was like, damn, no one likes you, girl. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah, no one fucking likes you. And so, yeah, it's a lot of like unnecessary, but kind of necessary to fill time. Um, and like B said, you do get little things here and there of like, okay, like, could it be this person? Could it mm-hmm. be this person? Because they do want to build it up a little bit. Yeah, and then basically we get we get to this point where Alex is over there to, you know, do the pitch, and he mentions that Jeff is, the, he's like, oh, Jeff, that sounds familiar. He's, where is he? He's the one who's, like, I invited. And then he added you guys to the party, and then they all start freaking out and think Edgar did it or blah, blah, blah. And then our kills start happening again. And so we go out and John's in the car and he... Well, John and Jen are like going to leave. Yeah. Um, I don't know where they're going exactly. They're going to check on something. I don't know. But like they're going to drive somewhere and like um, the... What's Alex is in the back of the car. Yeah. Um, when John gets in, like Diane, he's getting the car warmed up and ready while Diane's like getting her stuff together. And so he's in the car and Alex is in the back, and that's where we get the stab. This is the only kill we see, like yeah. we actually see, and it's a uh, through the chest, I believe. Um, but it's a ski pole through the chest um, from the back. Oh, it's through his throat. So it's very like Friday ish, um, or you know, Bay of Blood, whichever yeah. one you want to. Definitely inspired by those. Yeah, and then we get, like, immediately after that, I think it's Jeanette. It could be Diane. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's one of them. They both are brunettes with, yeah. like, very poofy hair. So. I can't remember. Um, gets the icicle scene, so it's he gets the icicle off and then, you know, impales her with it. Yeah, because she goes to get in the car, and she get, she literally gets in the car and then sees that John is dead. And then the killer is on the roof, and he, like, comes over the top, and she gets out, and he chases after her with the icicle. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, things are kind of going. I mean, this literally all, it's like, kill, kill, kill. Happens right. super quickly. Well, because this all happens, though, because there is a point where, like, they all fall asleep, so they think John and Jeanette are gone. Yeah. And so the rest of the house is kind of like, okay, well, we just have to wait now. Yeah. And so we do see, like... Diane has, we see that she had sex with Alex, and then Carl is, like, all pissed about it and gets drunk by himself and falls asleep in a chair in the living room. Mm-hmm. And then Corey and um, Trina fall asleep in their bedroom. Yeah, and then after that, um, Diane leaves to, that's got to be Jeanette. It's Jeanette. So flip those. Yeah, so, so yeah. Jeanette goes out um, to the hot tub, and... We think a radio gets thrown like into it. It might be in a space heater. It's hard or to tell. Yeah. Um, gets thrown into it and electrocutes her. And this is where we have like the full frontal. And she was all touching herself. She's all stuff. touching herself yeah. in the hot tub for whatever fucking reason. Because it's also weird that the sex scene though is a different looking hot tub than the hot tub she gets into. Probably uh, is. 
Sure. <laughs> what does it matter? Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then we see before this, we see that the killer was like setting up a bear trap in the snow. Um, and Carl goes out and he gets. He lures him out. Yeah. Because yeah, Carl like wakes up and he looks outside and the killer is outside and he's got like a flare. He's like waving it at him. Um, and so Carl goes out with his gun to like try to get him and he traps him in the bear trap, which I think is pretty hilarious um because it's like very circumstantial it's like how did you know carl was gonna wake up and look outside the window but whatever it's an 80 slash but you know it's okay he wanted to bear and then also which we have had this conversation recently and talk when we're talking about friday the 13th 2009 like bear traps really aren't something that would kill you like they just would trap you yeah yeah it would have to be like no we were with yeah, Bobby Ben and, and Bobby and yeah. Derek and like, you know, they're way more into that than I am. They know much more about that stuff than I do. And they were explaining that you would have to literally like rig it to be strong enough to like really damage you. But even then it definitely wouldn't kill you. And you could still pry it open. Yeah. Um, but like that you, they are, I guess there are some like restraints on them. But if you were to take those off, it'd probably break your leg, but it wouldn't be enough to like immobilize you. Um, then we get like this is kind of the crux of the film like um, Corey goes downstairs to make himself a drink and he gets stabbed in the chest by our killer um, and while this is happening um, Trina wakes up and she is confronted by the killer and like there's kind of this whole like view of saying the editing of back and forth because um, doesn't make it seem like he's going to rape her because I felt like because he's like you're going to do me one last favor so, and, like, he does tear her shirt off, doesn't he? Or he tries to? Yeah. I mean, I didn't super get those vibes. I, but maybe. The, it wasn't until he's like, you're going to do me one last favor. That you're like, like um, what's going to happen? Yeah. For me, I, like, it, it, I just got the perception of it that it seemed like he was going to, like, make it slow. Uh, and, like, yeah. torture her. Gotcha. Um, for Jeff. Because that's the reason why he went on that slope last night, you know. It's her fault. He was madly in love with her. Right. Okay. That makes sense. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe. That's a different way to interpret it. There's, like, this whole runaround where, like, Trina does go outside at one point because she actually ends up getting Carl's gun and bringing it back inside. And then she falls asleep on the stairs. So that's where the editing's really weird. After they have, like, their little showdown, then she sits smartly in the corner where she can see upstairs and downstairs. And then she, like... Then all of a sudden, it literally cuts to, like, her head is down and the killer's, like, attacking her. Like, she had fallen asleep or something. And there's no... It's, like, very disjointed. There's nothing in between it. Yeah. Strange. Um, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's super weird. No, I thought it was really weird because I'm like, who the fuck falls asleep when they're, like... <laughs> uh, the chick from Sorority House or Sorority Row, yeah. which we also were super bothered by. Uh, but she manages to get upstairs. She hides under the bed um, with the ice pick. Uh, she waits for him to get in there, stabs him in the leg, but he, like, tackles her. He does his whole villain monologue. Yeah. Um, Find out his motive. Yeah. And then while this is happening, like, while he's monologuing, we're seeing Corey crawl up the stairs, and he manages to get the gun. She shoves him over the railing from the top story, and he, well, she shoves him, and because she shoves him, Corey's able to get a straight shot off, um, because they were, like, wrestling before. And then... And then he's hanging from the railing with a rope around his foot. That's like from the blinds. Yeah. That they the very carefully show you, like, as she's about to push him. Oh, yeah. That they, like, cut to 
the tie on the blinds. Yeah. So that you know that's what he's hanging by. And then he falls because it's his amputated leg. And it comes disconnected from his body. Yeah, his prosthetic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's his prosthetic. And it becomes disconnected from his body and he falls and he dies. Which also kind of funny because he falls like maybe eight feet into snow. Into a ton of snow. Into a ton of snow. be okay. I just assume like the gunshot killed him. Sure. Because he gets shot like in the chest. Yeah. Um, and then we get another flash forward to five years later. So we've now traveled nine years with these people. Wow. Um, and it's Corey and Trina, and they're out at another ski lodge, which, by the way, at this point, I would be like, fuck ski lodges, because shit keeps happening. Uh, Jeff died, and then you got attacked by Alex. And so, like, I would probably want to ski anymore. But they're out there with two kids. Fast work. Um, two kids, two, like, fully grown like i mean not fully grown but like they're walking around talking. fully grown five-year-olds yeah they're build, like building snowmen and shit and so um they have two kids out there and uh one of their kids has built a snowman and it's the ugliest snowman i've ever seen in my life and wow it, it really is fighting I'm, words yeah i'm judging that five-year-old snowman prowess uh and then in the most cliche 80s thing imaginable trina goes to look at it and it starts bleeding from the eyeball before another ski-clad killer jumps out. Is it a dream? Who knows? Who knows? We will never know until Iced 2 comes out. All about rollerblades. Yeah, God. I really want to make that now. That'd be great. Ice 2. Can you imagine just 32 years later, (laughs) a sequel to Iced that no one asked for? That's about actually about rollerblades instead of yeah. (laughs) Skiing. it's still called Ice. Yeah. It would be like, um... (laughs) Uh, it'd be, oh my god, it'd be like the, what the fuck is it called? The Haunting Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. My favorite movie. Yeah, it would be like Ice 2, Blades of Blood or whatever. Blades of Blood. Yeah, because this was Blizzard of Blood, so Blades of Blood. Um, Trina's our final girl. She is super bland and uninteresting. Um, she is a vessel to carry forward the story. She is a final girl by circumstance. Well, well kind of. He wants to save her for last. Yeah, and, and... she does fight back. But. She does fight back, and if anything, she has sort of that shitty scenario that's... I'm trying to think of something to compare it to. It's almost Scream-esque, where by no fault of the woman... Because somebody is interested in her, she's getting blamed. So that's something like in general, like in in real life that's upset me, um, where because somebody else has feelings for you, it's like they have a claim on you. Right. Um, And it's like, like it's my responsibility that other people could like me and be attracted to me. And like I have negative, yeah, I have negative actions that happen because of it. I mean, that's happened to me before and it really pissed me off because I'm like, it is not my fault that you have feelings for me. Like there was no part. And so for her, sure, we can play it like they kind of went up there together, but they were not dating. You're allowed to pursue other interests, Right. right? So because she decided that she did not want to be with Jeff, all of her friends get murdered and she gets attacked. Mm. That's a very shitty position for a final girl to be in. And, like, it's a very shitty position, like, of this film. Like, that's part of the whole negative uh, final girl situation that we've had. Mm-hmm. Like, in horror and that perception that it's a negative genre towards women because of things like this. Right. 
Um, so I think that's worth pointing out is that she's literally the final girl because a guy was in love with her. Right. And she didn't love him back. And then it's even more ass backwards because the real motive is because the guy is mad at her because it affected his life right. because of he had to look for his friend, which is yeah. even like further removed. Yeah. So somehow it's all her fault. I did think it was weird too that they keep bringing up that like Diane's life was ruined by it because she was friends with Jeff and her mom blamed and she's like the first one to go. Yeah. But like they bring up all this backstory with her yeah. and like how much it impacted her but then like they don't do anything with it. Which was interesting. Like this movie had some like that in the like meta poke at Slashers was very like it had little nuggets of like oh there's almost something a little deeper here and yeah. then like obviously a, you know amateur writer but like yeah i think he had some inkling of what he was doing at least no for sure because it's definitely something that and i think that's what scream is partly making like poking fun of and like saying like billy and then we find out with the rest of the movies like literally sydney's entire life was ruined and changed yep. because yeah. of actions of her mother mm-hmm. yeah I mean, Scream 2 and 3 play with that a lot. Well, yeah. Scream 3 then sort of retrofits, like, the motive for even Scream scream 1. A bit does. Yeah. So it all comes down to the behavior of the woman causes men to act insane. Yeah. The movie. One day we'll cover Scream 2, guys. Oh, yeah. We were talking about that earlier. The very end. (laughs) The very end. Uh, Favorite kill? (laughs) Um... You mean the, my favorite setup for yeah. a kill? Um, that is the bummer about this. Like, I think they handled it pretty well, um, but it would be received higher in my eyes, maybe, depending on what they look like. The fact that m- almost all of the kills are cut away. Or like the simple electric one where it's just a lady shaking in a jacuzzi. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, um, okay. I'm going to have to go with the car kill. One, because we see it, yeah. but two, because that is a genuine fear. Like, that's an urban legend that I think is hella scary. Like, yeah. check the back seat. Check back seat yeah. um, and that still creeps me out. Yeah. And it's still effective to me in horror movies whenever there's somebody hiding in the back seat. So. Yeah, uh, for me too. Uh, it's, it's the one we see. It actually looks pretty good. It's themed, which I love. And then... Um, yeah, and I love a good stick kill. Yeah, and I love homages, and like it's definitely a reference back to like Friday. And so yeah, definitely, definitely that one. Um, but I do think it is really clever. The ice. Kill. I think the ice kill is clever. Yeah, I do really think like that was a really good choice by the editor. Um, okay, so if you guys are just listening for the first time, at the end of every episode, we do rank our uh, movies. Uh, you can find the whole list at keepscreaming.com/slash/the-list. Um, and it is, again, kind of, we look at something, not how much we like it or our favorites, but how much it sticks to what we have kind of, um, derived as our slasher formula, which all of that is entailed in what we look at from top to bottom, um, which is why we cover so much of, uh, of the movie from like poster to the individual characters, writing, director, music, everything. Um, number one, just will not go away. Number one, My Bloody Valentine, 1981. It's been close to two years now, I think. It is, in February. Yeah. So next month it will be raining for two years. Pretty yeah. much as long as this podcast has existed. Yeah. Um, with Black Christmas from 74 following it up. And at the bottom we have April Fool's Day, Girls Night Out, and Cry Wolf. 
Uh, this movie is cheesy, yes, and it's like lowbrow and it's cheap, but it, as far as the slasher goes, follows a whole bunch of slasher trope formulas, and it does it pretty well. From the like, the back, like the history, the, the history flashing forward. Um, the killer is themed, has an outfit, is masked. Um, we does have, have it's cat and mouse like uh-huh. he's very much stalking these people yes lots of stalking he spends 40 minutes we see him a bunch oh, in that 40 we do. minutes yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. not killing anybody yeah. yet that's a slasher movie yeah how long does freaking michael myers stalk Lori before he actually kills well doesn't kill her but tries yeah, to kill her exactly. kills the people around her um the whole movie <laughs> yeah um, yeah, we have, you know, a cast of young people. We have, um, you know, sex and nudity. And, I mean, it's it's a paint-by-number slasher. Yeah. Um, that is where it's funny because I think that's where it succeeds and where it fails. Uh-huh. Because it is so paint-by-numbers, it becomes a little generic. Yeah, and, and because it, it doesn't leave itself room to make up for the fact that there's a low kill count. We don't really see the kills. We have a generic... Um, final girl mm-hmm. um, and we have because it's so paint by numbers it in fact like looks a little bit down on the slasher genre because yeah it takes those tropes to an extreme and that often is negative yeah um, yeah no I agree and like uh, and you know there's a couple other things that are like hurt it too like the score is pretty bland um and then, you know, like you said, like, it's just a bummer. We don't get to see more from the kills. Um, and, like, you know, I think a lot of times we see this a lot, especially in this era of um, slasher movies. But what makes up for it a lot of the times is, like, in something like Intruder, like, you get, like, really creative cinematography or, like, really creative kills. Mm-hmm. Or I was thinking that, too. Like, yeah. similar in line with Intruder, but then that was so innovative in mm-hmm. its kills and its after kills, where this could have done a lot with after kills. I don't know if there's the official name, but that's what I call them. Um, where, no, we don't need to see the ice school going into her body, but what does it look like afterwards when you find the body? Right, and we do see that. Um, in the car, but like, um, yeah, I agree with you. And well, yeah, we see almost all the after kills when Trina's running around and she yeah, finds everybody yeah, dead. But yeah, they didn't um, take those like Jeanette's just like floating. Oh yeah, in, in yeah. the hot tub, you yeah. know, like she's not even like yeah or anything. Yeah, um, no. So like, and that's that, that's how I kind of think of it because there are movies that are a little more. You know, like we've said generic, that on our list even, you look at like Mutilator, Happy Birthday to Me, Intruder, that's kind of what I'm looking at for this. But those movies, I think, in their third acts, all do something so wild and like crazy, it makes it stand out more and turns mm-hmm. it into something different. So I'm actually kind of looking at Cold Prey area for this. Because mm-hmm. um, Cold Prey, also very by the numbers. Like mm-hmm. extremely by the numbers. Very generic. Um, you know, like I honestly would put this either... I'm thinking actually a little under Cold Prey just because I think our final girl's a little more defined in Cold Prey. Because mm-hmm. we get that whole sequence at least where she's being dragged out and like she has to like really fight for herself. Um, and then I do think like our characters are a little more developed in Cold Prey. Um, it's a little bit better atmosphere. Yeah. But like I mean, it's hard to very de- similar. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. They definitely would make for an interesting double feature. Mm hmm. 
But I think Coldplay gets an edge strictly just in a um, quality. Well, quality. That's what yeah, I was going to say. That's a hard was, thing. Honestly, was yeah. quality because it is. It does have that advantage of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, honestly, budget. that might be the only reason why. Um, and I do like you know you and I both enjoyed the way Coldplay. It doesn't do the backstory, but it does in our opening credits, which we both like that. Mm-hmm. So like I th- I think it's just as effective as like, this opening scene here. Um, so I'd say just under Cold Prey. Yeah. yeah, and above Child's Play, which, you know, people are always shocked by. But, you know, Child's Play, although Chucky is considered a slasher icon, the first one's not that slasher-esque. No, we'll, and we'll get to the others because those turn way more into slasher movies, mm-hmm. especially, like, I yeah. think two and three, like, uh-huh. really hardcore slashers before they turn into, like, more comedy. And, yeah. And, like, they get a little more outland. They're still slasher movies, but I think two and three are, like, really, really slasher movies. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, and you, you know, we both love Child's Play, but that, that movie has like a bunch of voodoo and shit. <laughs> like you forget yeah, it's all the very, um, magic involved and less stalking and slashing and more Chucky's running away and killing people because he's trying to. Yeah. Move his body. Yeah. Yeah. I know that movie, the first Child's Play, I always forget how much it almost feels like, like kind of like Candyman sometimes to me, like similar. I don't know. Cause all the supernatural aspects and um cool so this is our new number wow iced 28 i mean you know relatively high i yeah i feel like that's high i i when i watch it i'm like this is actually gonna rank pretty well um yeah and a lot of these could honestly be pretty interchanged right so we're talking i think probably from Maybe even like my super psycho sweet sixteen, which is nineteen, to um, Santa Slay, which is thirty five, which we just covered. So I think all of these very end up super similar to each other and like oh, yeah. are ranked yeah appropriately. It's like similar. So like um... it's like the middle is I think gonna always be gonna be that area where it's like okay, it's here for a reason. Either it's a really slasher, but it's generic, or it's not very slasher, but it's super innovative, mm-hmm. so it's ended up in the middle, where the ones at the top are exceptional, and the ones at the bottom are like, I wasn't really a slasher, but, you know. Yeah, it reminds me of how, um, if you listen to Shockwaves, when Rob and Elric do their top ten list, they always are like, they always say, like, ten, like, three through ten are kind of, like, all interchangeable, because they're so close, and then one and two are, like, distinct one and two because they stand out so much that's what our list reminds me of is like you look at the top like i feel even like top 10 maybe in like top 12 15 like you're like these are here because of this and then you start going like like these are really close but it's yeah. just because of this or just yeah. because of that um yeah so i mean i i can understand why like this ranks so high um like i said relatively high um if you guys have ideas throw them at us we have nothing planned um I don't think at all. Really. No, we're gonna sit down and yeah, we gotta hash it out. Because um, otherwise, we do this, which we're recording on the day that it goes up. It goes yeah. up. So, so yeah. So um, I mean, shoot some ideas. I don't know. We might maybe do a throwback to New Year's New Midnight Kiss because Brandon said he wants to be on the show, mm-hmm. um, and we would love to have Brandon back. Um, so that's definitely a possibility. Um, but I don't know. I think we might look at. I mean, we love our our theme stuff, but maybe move away from it for the year. We've done it two years in a row, and, like, we don't want to completely dry ourselves out either. So that might be an idea that we play around with. So we'll see. 
maybe more franchise stuff. I did enjoy doing the back, the one two um, on Friday. Yeah. So that was fun too. Agree. I think wet our toes in some more of the big ones this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll preface it right now, let you know that if we do any Halloweens, it won't be till October for sure. But um, there's still lots of other franchises to look at. We've almost done all of the. I know you did last summers. Got one, got one left. I'll always know. If we watched Ice, we can watch I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. But can we? It's almost worse when they're new and... It is worse when they're new and bad. Uh, might have to do it for the summer anyways. I don't know. We'll see. Good lord. Uh, but All thanks right, for P, sticking around, guys. Uh, thanks for putting up with... Not putting up with. Thanks for... You had the honor to hear Liam. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's the best. Yeah. And if he could fully form sentences, I would just let him on the show all the time. Even if they were like nonsensical sentences. Um, but yeah, thanks. And we'll see you in two weeks. Until then, keep screaming.